Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. So tonight, we're going to continue in our series of studies that we have been on for the last two Sundays. I have ministered to you on the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. For the last two Sundays, we have focused our attention on the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. As you have uh, learned, we have studied and learned the value of his indwelling presence as we give him his rightful place, his honorable place in our lives. His indwelling presence offers the believer everything that he needs in order to live an overcoming life. John chapter 4, 1 John chapter 4, verse 4 says, The greater one lives within us, and greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. The more this realization, or rather revelation, grows within our minds and our hearts, the better we become, or should I say, the more skilled we become in the power of the Holy Spirit, living an overcoming life, an abundant life that pleases our Heavenly Father. We have also learned that the anointing within us, in other words, the anointing of the Spirit, is for character formation, but the anointing upon us is for ministry to others on a supernatural level. Today, we're going to continue on the same journey as I close my study today on the ministry of the Holy Spirit within the born-again believer. We're going to look at three portions of Scripture. The first one is John chapter 14, verse 26. The second one, John chapter 16, verses 12 through to 15. And the last one from the first epistle of John chapter 2, verse 27. Please allow the Spirit to uh, illuminate these words that we're going to be reading, and I'm going to use the New King James Version. John 14, verse 26, Jesus said, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I say to you. John 16, verse 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, 
he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. What Jesus is basically saying here is that there was so much he wanted to communicate to the disciples, but at that stage of their spiritual capacity or spiritual understanding, they were not able to hear them or to bear those things that Jesus wanted to communicate. But he said, when the Spirit will come and live within you, he will increase your capacity, your understanding, and he will enable you to grasp spiritual things that I want to communicate to you. What we do so often in our journey of faith, we try or endeavor to grasp spiritual truths with our natural mind. But things of the Spirit are not mental. You cannot grasp spiritual truths and revelation knowledge with intellect, with natural reasoning. Spiritual things need to be understood by spiritual people. And that's what Jesus was communicating. When the Spirit comes to live within you, you will become spiritual. In other words, he will help you and guide you into the whole truth because he's not going to speak of his own authority, but he will communicate to you the things that he hears from me. Now here John emphasizes this truth in his epistle, first epistle chapter 2, verse 27. And he says the following, But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. John the Apostle calls the Spirit within the anointing within, the anointing of the Holy Spirit within. He says that anointing will remain and abide in you, and that very anointing will teach you concerning all things. That is why I've emphasized in the last two Sundays that I ministered on the subject that it's vitally important for every born-again believer not only to acknowledge the presence of the person of the Holy Spirit within us, but also to give him honor and room and attention and recognition so that he can do the work he was called to do in us and through us. So the ministry of the Holy Spirit, or as John calls him, the anointing within, in the life of the born-again believer, is of vital importance when it comes to living the kind of life that honors and glorifies our Heavenly Father. In fact, we cannot live the way God wants us to live without the presence, the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. He's the one who encourages us, comforts us, guides us, teaches us, 
And the word of the Lord, without the illumination of the Spirit, is a dead book. So being able to draw strength and wisdom from within when is needed, I believe is the privilege and the inheritance of every born-again child of God. What a blessing to be able to draw this inner strength, this inner fortitude, this inner wisdom from the well of wisdom and the well of life that dwells within us. God placed within every born-again believer rivers of living water. That's what Jesus said to those who receive the Spirit. Everything that you and I need in life, every challenge that we face, every crisis in life that we face, there is enough strength and wisdom within us and knowledge to be able to overcome it. The secret is the ability to be able to draw this strength from within. And as I've mentioned last time, it is the skill that needs to be developed through practice and through experience. So, learning how to do this, do what? Being able to draw strength and knowledge and wisdom from within when we need it is the key to living life on a supernatural level. We need to understand that disciples of Christ, we are not just natural beings, flesh and blood, but we are supernatural because the supernatural spirit of the living God lives within us. And that makes us supernatural beings. The way Jesus taught and instructed us to live is only possible by those who are born of the Spirit and filled with the Spirit. And this birth, as described by John, is not a natural birth, but a supernatural one. And we all know that those of us who have been born again by the Spirit of God know what I'm talking about. In John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 13, the word says, We were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You are a child of God, born of the Spirit of God, and you have within you the life and the nature of God. When I say within you, I'm talking about your inward man, your spirit man, the heart of man deep within. God placed his very nature, his very power, his very wisdom, his very knowledge inside of you, in the person of the Holy Spirit. For example, Jesus taught us to love our enemies. Did he say that? Of course he did. He also taught us to bless those who curse us, to do good to those who hate us, and to pray for those who spitefully use and persecute us. That's Matthew 5, 43. No natural human being can do this without becoming a new creation in Christ and having the Spirit of the living God working within them. You cannot live that kind of life without the help and the assistance 
and the power of the Spirit. For the disciple of Christ, this is possible, though. God would never tell us to do something that we were not able to do, that he would be unjust. Jesus speaks of the work of the Spirit. I, I say that the disciple of Christ is able to do that because the Word of God declares that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Amen? How does he do that? By his Spirit who indwells us. The Lord Jesus in John chapter 4, verse 14, speaks of the work of the Spirit as, as he converses with the woman of Samaria at the well. He said that the water he gives becomes a fountain within that springs up to everlasting life. And those of you who are um, Bible students, I'm sure you have read this, uh, this portion of Scripture many times. John 4, verse 14. Jesus refers here to the Spirit as water. Just as natural water gives and sustains natural life, even so the Spirit not only gives us life in the Spirit, but also sustains this life in the Spirit. In John chapter 7, Jesus again speaks about the Spirit and the effects upon those who receive the Spirit. Notice what he said about those who would receive the Spirit after he had gone on to be with the Father and presented his blood on the mercy seat and God accepted his sacrifice. He poured out the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And Jesus speaking prophetically Concerning this event, he said in John chapter 7, verse 37, On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So he spoke of the Spirit coming upon and within the believer, and then he said, those who receive the Spirit out of the inward being will flow rivers of living water. Jesus said that the rivers of living water will flow out of his heart. And when the Bible speaks of the heart, he's referring to our inward man, to our spirit man. So out of our spirit will flow rivers of living water because God's spirit lives within our spirit. The rivers of life will come not from up there, not from outside, but from deep within the born-again believer. The rivers Jesus spoke of are the attributes of the character of God as well as the supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit. 
like words of wisdom, words of knowledge, words of prophecy, tongues, interpretation, prophecies, the gifts of healings, miracles. All those are the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus spoke that rivers will flow from within the believer. And that is exactly what Jesus intends for us to do. These rivers bring the life of God wherever the believer goes. Are you listening to me? We are the temples of the Holy Spirit. Where we go, He goes. The secret is learning how to stir up the gift of God within us and through our obedience and faith, release the rivers so that it can bring life to those who are in desperate need. Now, and that is exactly what Jesus intends for us to do, bring the life of God wherever we go. I remember there is an anointed song we used to sing many years ago in church. Uh, I'm not sure if you know it, but in the early years where I was born again and attended the church, we used to sing the song. It goes something like this. There is a river of life flowing out from me, makes the lame to walk and the blind to see, opens prison doors, sets the captives free. There is a river of life flowing out from me. Anyone know this, this, this song? It's probably before your time. <laughs> But that's one, used to be one of my favorite songs. We don't sing it anymore, yet it is so true. There is a river of life flowing out from us that makes the lame to walk and the blind to see, opens prison doors, sets the captives free. Why? Because there's a river of life that's flowing out from the born-again, spirit-filled believer. Now here's the problem. For many of us, these rivers of living water are cloaked up and so often uh, blocked, if I can use the right word, because of fear, the spirit of fear, and intimidation, while for many others are blocked with doubt, unbelief, and disobedience. You see, the Spirit cannot work, cannot be released and do what He desires without you and my cooperation. We are co-laborers together with God. And if we don't cooperate with the Spirit within, there is nothing He can do. So, as I said, for many of us, including myself many times, I'm not excluding myself. These rivers of living water are blocked because of these things. A strong, a strong reason for that or a strong obstacle is the fear of man. The fear of man is one of the greatest obstacles, I believe, in releasing the life of God from within. Let me give you an example. How often we were 
inspired or we had an unction within to speak to someone about the saving power of Christ and to share our faith. But we were held back because of fear of what they would say or what they would think about us. Hello, are you still out there? Am I making sense? Another example. Lay hands on someone who was sick and pray for them. An unbeliever, for example, or even a believer. But we are refrained from doing so because we are afraid and intimidated. What if it doesn't work? Doubt, unbelief. Not fully trusting what Jesus said and acting upon it, trusting God to do his part when we do our part. You see, you can't heal people. God heals people. But he needs someone's hands to flow through. And we need to understand what our part is and what God's part is. So often we try to do God's part and our part and everybody else's part. My part is to pray and believe and lay hands. God's part is to do the work. My part is to open my mouth, and when I do, the, the, the Holy Spirit within will give me the right words to speak to a person and share my faith with him. Amen? Are you still with me? Now, Paul addresses this fear in his epistle to Timothy. Remember what Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. He said, Timothy, I remind you, to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. He says to Timothy, Timothy, stir up the gift of God within you. The gift that he's referring to is none other than the gift of the Holy Spirit. And to resist the spirit of fear that comes against, uh, to, to block this gift through fear and intimidation, to resist that because fear does not come from God. And he says to him, God has not given you a spirit of fear. Obviously, Timothy must have been a timid uh, uh, disciple. And Paul picked it up and is encouraging him to stir up the gift of God within him and to resist the spirit of fear that comes against the gift that he received. Amen? So stirring up the gift, this is something that we, this is our responsibility. We are the ones that stir up the gift within us. Well, you, you may ask, how do I stir up the gift of God within me? Well, there are several ways that we can do that. One of the ways is praying in the Spirit. When you pray in the Spirit, your spirit is actively engaging God and you are energized and edified and built up within your spirit. All of us should spend time praying in other tongues on a regular basis. Are you with me? That's one of the ways that we stir up the gift, you will find that when you practice praying in the Spirit, 
for an extended period of time on a regular basis, you will find that words of knowledge, words of wisdom, words of prophecy will rise up from within you and will be released to those who need them. You maybe need a word of wisdom. You are in a situation you don't know what to do. You don't have to go anywhere. All you need to do is turn within and stir up the gift of God within you. Lord, your wisdom is within me. The word of God says Jesus was made unto me wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Thank you for the wisdom of God that indwells me. I pray, Father, that that wisdom will rise up like a bubbling brook, that I may know that my mind may be watered concerning the situation, that I may know what to do. Another way that we can stir up the gift of God within us is by declaring the word of the Lord out loud. Say what God says about you and nothing else. Do not contradict the word of God with your words. What does God say about you? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The Holy Spirit will teach you concerning all things. Don't just raise your hands and say, oh, I don't know what to do about this situation. Don't confess that. Rather say, I do know what to do about this situation. Because the Spirit and the wisdom of God is within me, and I know exactly what to say, what to do. As you declare the Word of God and say what God's Word says, you will find that the Spirit within is energized and stirred up and is able to assist, to comfort, to strengthen you and give you whatever you need at the moment. Amen. Now, another way of stirring the gift of God within is regular seasons of fasting. I know Pastor Frank spoke about it this morning in our church. Try and fast once a week, once every three weeks, once every month, but engage in this practice of fasting because fasting subdues the flesh and strengthens your inward man. Fasting silences the voice of the flesh and causes the voice of the spirit within, even your own spirit, to be heard. And that is the primary benefit and function of the fast. Fasting does not change God, does not change the will of God. It changes us. It enables us to bring the flesh under, to subdue the body so that the spirit may rise up within us. Another thing is studying the scriptures in order to eliminate ignorance and fully understand the gift that God deposited within us in the person of the Holy Spirit. Let me say this. Faith in the word of the Lord is the key that releases the supernatural life of the Spirit. Believing what God's word says about the anointing within and acting on his word will release the life of the Spirit within us to those around us who are dying of ignorance 
in regards to the goodness of God and his willingness to heal and restore every life. Jesus, in referring to the work of the Spirit, a fountain, he says, springing up to everlasting life and rivers of life flowing from within those who receive the Spirit. Please note here the two distinct metaphors of the Spirit or of the work of the Spirit. The one, the fountain that springs up, is for personal ministry, meeting the needs of the believer, and the other is for empowering the believer to minister to those he is sent to. The fountain that springs up is for personal edification, but the rivers is for those we are sent to minister to. The woman of Samaria, if you notice, had issues with identity. She had issues with rejection. She was lonely. And these issues within her life drove her from one man to another. In other words, she was searching for love and searching for affirmation and acceptance in all the wrong places and, and people. Jesus said that the water he would give her, if she asks him to, would settle all of these issues and bring inner healing and restoration to her soul. You see, she had major problems within her emotions, within her soul. Her search for love would stop. Why? Because the Spirit would minister to her in all those areas that she had problems with. Rejection, searching for love, affirmation, acceptance. She would never thirst again, Jesus said, and her search for purpose and meaning in life would come to an end. I remember when, when I uh, was born again and, and Jesus saved me and pulled me out of the gutter. Prior to my conversion, there was an emptiness within me, an emptiness that could never be filled with anything, no matter what I tried. But the moment I received the Lord Jesus Christ, that emptiness was filled with peace, love, acceptance. All hatred disappeared from my heart. And believe me, I hated a number of people that abused me, uh, that took advantage of me as a youngster, and, and all that. I don't want to go into that. And I swore that when I grew up, I was going to make them pay. I literally hated them. But when the love of Christ came inside of me, all that hatred and unforgiveness and bitterness left me. And I found purpose and meaning. And that's what happens when we receive Christ. Now, receiving Jesus and being born again by the Spirit settles the issues of identity and inheritance. Identity refers to who we are in Christ once we are born again. And of course, inheritance refers to what we received because we are in Christ. Are you listening to me? 
And there are too many with an orphan heart and an orphan spirit even within the church. Even though they're born again, they've never realized what happened to them when they got born again. That they're no longer orphans. They're no longer strangers. God has accepted them in the beloved. They are children of the living God. As the word says, we are no longer foreigners and aliens, but citizens of the kingdom of God, members of God's household. When that revelation strikes your heart, you have no issues with rejection. You have no issues with identity. You know who you are. You're a child of God. And that is so, so powerful. So knowing who we are in Christ settles the issues of rejection because in Christ, the Word of God says we are loved. We are accepted by our Heavenly Father. The love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, the Word of God says. Romans chapter 5, which was given unto us. So if you are born again and have no revelation of what really happened to you, or who you really are, you're going to continue having trouble with rejection, with inferiority complexes, and so on and so forth. And that shouldn't be the case. What you need is a revelation of the love of God. Once that revelation strikes your heart and your mind, those issues will go out of your life forever. You'll never have any problem with that. But the rivers of living water refer to the life of God that flows out of us, bringing healing, deliverance, and restoration to those around us. So once we have been ministered to and healed by the ministry of the Spirit within, then we are ready to go out and minister life to those around us. So receiving the baptism of the Spirit puts us in a position to minister to others on a supernatural level through the supernatural gifts of the Spirit. Folks, we desperately need the gifts of the Spirit. We cannot do without it. It's like a mechanic without his tools. He cannot work on a car unless he has the tools. And we cannot really minister to others without the gifts of the Spirit. And in order for these gifts to begin to function and work in our lives, we're going to have to enter into that realm of the Spirit and live and function there. How? By stirring up the gift of God within us. Amen? Praise the Lord! What, a, what an unspeakable gift God placed within us. The realization of us carrying the life of God within, I believe when that revelation strikes and we catch spiritually, receive it, not intellectually. As I said earlier on, spiritual things can only be grasped by spiritual people through the spirit, not through the natural mind, not through the intellect, through the spirit. Once that realization strikes our spirit and our mind that we are carriers of the life of God, it will change the way we think, and it will change the way we act around those who are desperately seeking relief from oppressive yokes of the devil. Scripture says in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, 
God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Listen carefully now. Because Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power, he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. Now, just as Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit, so are we, the body of Christ, are anointed with the same Holy Spirit. And the body of Christ ought to be going around doing what? The Bible says doing good and ministering, healing, and deliverance to the captives. Now you may protest, you may disagree with me, but I'm not the one who said those words. I didn't write the Bible. You may argue the fact that we are that we can't do what Jesus did, but you cannot argue with the truth, can you? No. What does the truth say? Jesus is the truth. And in John 14, verse 12, he said, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. Did Jesus tell us a lie here? God cannot lie. We need to rise up to another level in our way of thinking, in our, in our way of believing, and begin to believe those words with, with the heart man believes, not the head. So often we confuse head faith with heart faith. There's a vast difference between believing with your head and believing with your heart. The God kind of faith the Bible faith is of the heart, the Bible says. Romans chapter 10, with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Jesus said, whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt where? In his heart, but believe. Believe where? Not the head, the heart that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatever he says. So many believers, most of us, confuse this issue between head and heart, intellect and spirit. We believe with the heart, not with the head. And we need to rise up, as I say, on another level and receive those words. As Pastor Frank spoke this morning, he said, we need to increase our spiritual capacity. In fact, I'm going to ask him next Sunday to minister that same word he ministered to our local church. Powerful word. There are many things that God wants to do through us, but he cannot unless we rise to another spiritual level. Amen? Are you out there? So, there is only one thing for us to do, and that is agree with the words 
of Jesus on the subject, believe what he said from the heart, and then act on his words. You see, head faith doesn't act on the word. It just says, yes, yes, I believe. Mentally assents, yes, I agree, but it doesn't act on the word. Heart faith, on the other hand, not only believes, but puts action to that faith. Acting on the word of God, or in other words, practicing what God's word says, is the key to the release of the supernatural manifestations in our everyday, ordinary life. That's the key. And God expects us to live naturally, supernaturally, because of who we are in Christ. But most importantly, of who He, of who he is in us and what He's able to do through our faith and obedience to His Word. Can you say amen to that? And we need to start declaring the word of the Lord. Yes, Lord, I believe your word. You said while you were here on the earth, he who believes in you, Lord, I believe. The works that you do, he will also do. And greater works than these he will do because you've gone to the Father. I believe, Lord, that I can do the works that you've done through the power of the Spirit within me and even greater works than these. I believe it. I confess it. I declare it. I hunger for it to see the manifestations of the rivers of life flowing from me to those who desperately need the life, the deliverance, the healing, the restoration. Amen? That's the only way we're going to see revival, folks when we believe from the heart and act on the word of God. Father, in the name of Jesus, let's lift our hands to the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your precious word tonight. And Lord, forgive us. We confess our unbelief. We confess our fears, fear of men. We confess that we've been intimidated by people, by circumstances. And we pulled back and we blocked the very life of God within us. Help us to unblock this reverse. Help us to rise up to another level and believe from the heart and act upon your words. Give us boldness, we pray. Spiritual boldness that we may rise in the power of the Spirit and declare the works of God. Testify of the goodness of God to those that we come in contact with. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.